is a watch party of ice and fire. We are your hosts, Solar, Valar, Morgulis, Constance, Fire and Blood. Greetings, slots and ladies. Seven blessings to you. Morgan, who is not with us today, and myself, Sam. In this podcast, we will be talking everything and anything Award of Ice and Fire. In this episode, we'll specifically be talking the third trailer for the House of the Dragon prequel series. We'll be going over details you may have missed, lore related to the World of Ice and Fire, set pieces, costume designs, and of course, getting into the trailer. Be sure to listen and pay close attention as you can elevate your maester's rank and win links and prizes by listening to the podcast and answering our trivia. But before we get into the trailer, we're going to be starting our segment for the love of war, where I'll be going over anything involving history, culture, and customs in a war of ice and fire. The council will then discuss the lore and how it affects the current trailer or episode. In today's lore, going off our topic last, the High Towers will be talking about Old Town. So, Old Town is ruled by the High Towers. It is the second largest city in Westeros, uh, second largest port, but richest city due to trade with ships all over the world, including the West, o- the rest of Westeros, uh, the Nine Free Cities, the Summer Isles, and many, many more. One of the most ancient cities in the country. Uh, it's located at the mouth of the Honeywine. Uh, to enter the port of Old Town from the sea, you would enter through the Whispering Sound, which is the bay at the mouth of the Honeywine. Um, It is home of the Citadel, which is the central center for the Maesters. Uh, No no greater place of knowledge is known in in the world. Uh, It is the biggest library in all of the world. Um, It lies on the Honeywine, made up of towers and domes connected by stone arched towers, and the gates are are guarded by two green sphinxes, one with a man's face while the other has a woman's face. Uh, it is funded by Old Town taxes and payments from the lords who request Maester's services. Uh, white ravens are released from the Citadel to signal the coming of winter. Uh, Paramore Hightower, aka Paramore the Twisted, is said to have started the Citadel inviting wise men, teachers, priests, healers, singers, wizards, alchemists, and sorcerers all to Old Town. Upon his death, his brother King Uragon uh, granted Paramore's guests land on the Honeywine, which is where the Citadel eventually came from. Uh, the history of Old Town um, is largely, like the beginning of, of Old Town is, is largely unknown, uh, but it is known that men have lived at the mouth of the Honeywine since the Dawn Age. As we talked about last week, the origins of Old Town and the High Tower start with the High Tower. Um, it is 800 feet tall, taller than the wall. Um, the foundation is a square fortress made of black stone and it lies on battle isle uh no one really knows why it's called battle isle uh, i hope that we eventually figure out that out but as of now it is unknown um it's a mystery of who built it um many people believe the valerians were the ones who built it um due to the valerians being known for turning stone into liquid from dragon flame and then and then um structuring it into whatever they would like um there are similar structures around the world that are much like this um, but some other reasons that people don't think the Valerians did it is because it's a, of its lack of lavishness. Uh, Valerians love to be pretty lavish. They love to have some fun art, and this is not really that. Uh, and the halls themselves look more like tunnels. Um, some people think that the um, legendary maze makers uh, may have created the fortress itself due to the labyrinth-like tunnels. Uh, and then one maester believed that the Ironborn were responsible for creating the, for creating this due to the similarities of the sea stone chair, uh, but that's largely 
not really believed by any. Um, other towers were eventually built on top of this fortress uh, that were going to be beacons for arriving ships. Uh, it eventually became the be- the seat of House Hightower after Brandon the Builder or his son built the center tower that houses a fire on top. After multiple sackings, large walls were fortified around the city, and this is when Old Town thrived in trade. Uh, upon the arrivals of the, Andal- of the Andals, Lord Dorian Hightower was said to have said, Wars are bad for trade, and set aside his wife to marry an Andal princess. Um, Hightowers eventually adopted the face of the Seven after the Andals came, building the Starry Sept. The Starry Sept was the center of the faith of the Seven until the Sept of Baylor was constructed in King's Landing, and this is where Aegon was crowned king. Uh, I have a couple questions about Old Town for you all. One, who do you all think uh, built the Black Fortress? And two, what are your overall opinions of the city of Old Town? Uh, Solar, if you want to start. Who built the old fort? That is something I have been trying to pour over the books. Um, You can see that the big black oily base of the stone, which is my favorite part, is really similar to the walls of Ashai. So given Ashai's very, 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 very Eastern nature and um, Old Town's very western nature (laughs) um what we have is um a good argument for sailors from ashai went that way um found a piece of land and tried to build a big place to stay that might have reminded them of home but there's also the loads and loads of oily stone that comes from south oros (laughs) or south orios as it were so there's a lot of things out there. Um, we still don't know the origin of the first men, so it could be a whole lot of different places that come out. But the fact that it was there is very much the, aha, we have now conquered and discovered a new land. Wait, who built that? You know, unless um, taking a piece from a different piece of social media, if you touch the oily stone, then you get a really cool light show, realize it's full of stars and get born again, a space baby. So um, it's really hard to put your finger on it. I don't know. Am I just, am I just ranting or something? What do you think, Constance? Well, it's definitely not the Velaryans, right? Because the evidence, although they could shape stone with dragon flame, they would have made it fancy. Come on. These, they did not pass up the opportunity to carve or make it ornate or gild it or whatever. So it's, it's highly doubtful that they, they went to that side of the, you know, the opposite side of the country from where, you know, Aegon first landed and uh, built that. So that's not going to be a likely answer. Um, looking at the Maze Makers, that's a really weird theory. Uh, they were mostly out of Lorath and Esso south of Lorath over on the other side of the world and they were like bigger than people (laughs) they were so if we knew what size the tunnels were like if they're massive giant tunnels maybe that would kind of lend itself to the maze makers uh but if it they're normal sized tunnels then that really kind of kicks that theory out because everything else that's been discovered of theirs has been kind of giant it kind of kind of makes you think and there were giants in the in the earth in those days kind of quote out of the bible where you had people that were larger than normal men 
uh, possibly descended from actual giants. And the tunnels there kind of lent to that. In fact, some of the bones they found were larger than normal bones. <laughs> so it's one of those weird, mysterious things that, uh, that that's going to haunt us because <laughs> there's no real answer and there's no way to find the answer because it's probably never going to get written down. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, but the big bones say a whole lot of things. They might have been vegetarian, <laughs> like one, you know. But I guess they found like, hey, over here we have the remains of a femur, and over here we have the remains of a femur. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I could see. I mean, maybe giants are the are the ones who built the fortress in the first place. You never know. You know, there is kind of a dichotomy between the giants and the children. You know, the giants are like, look at us. Oh, we are one and a half times the size of regular men. And the children of the forest are very half the size of regular men. So maybe there was like a split difference or something. You know, and who knows? Maybe the chil if there were the children of the forest that were all throughout Westeros before those days, maybe a sect of them built the old fortress with the big oily rock. I mean... Since we know so little about Ashai, except for the Phantom, um, the Shadowbinders, and the people that wear masks, it could be majority of, you know, svelte, um, petite people that are casting magic everywhere. Sure. I kind of I think that the, the reason that it was built might have been based off of, because it's, it's built on Battle Isle, which people also don't know why it's called Battle Isle. So I feel like the fortress might have been built in response to whatever battle may have happened there, which I feel like would have consisted of uh, the children of the forest, the giants, maybe the first men, maybe the... Could it have been a uh, dragon fire? Because George R. R. Martin has said that there used to be dragons in Westeros yeah. uh, long before be. uh, the Targaryens Could have been came. other dragon riders, mm. possibly? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah, there could have just been some crazy free-for-all battle royale with, like, children of the first men, giants, and dragons just all going at it all at once in some <laughs> mythical crazy battle. Who knows? I would be all for it. Not gonna lie, that would kind of rock. It would kind of be sweet. Now I'm just picturing, like, the actual fortress is, like, a wrestling ring. And then everyone else is just, like, going at it in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Now I can see it. A whole bunch of old town people. Oh, yeah. You're not ready for this, brother. You know, just. All right, HBO. Make it happen. Make it happen. A dragon doing an elbow drop off the top rope. Call it W-O-W, Wrestling of Westeros. You know, I would watch that. Dude, I would watch the crap out of that show. I'm just, yeah, just letting you know, like, you know, um, can totally see All 12 it. seasons. <laughs> yeah, like they're going to give anything 12 seasons that's not called The Simpsons at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Moving on, we have our The Dragons in the Detail segment where Constance and Uzma will be going over small details you may have missed in the trailer as well as the fantastic costumes, props, and sets used. After you, Constance and Uzma. Okay, so the very first picture we are going to discuss is the Rhaenyra entering the throne room. Uh, and uh, as you can see, there's Damon sitting on the other side and there are two columns. And we discussed uh, the, a column which had Aegon's conquest carved on it. Uh, 
uh, in the first episode at that time we thought it was carved on a wall but now we can see that the carvings are on the columns itself and there are four column there are six columns in the throne room and on four of them there are four statues uh, so my guess is these are four statues of the four kings that came before king viserys uh, so it could be in the uh, zigzag order like uh, first right aegon and then anis on the left and megor on the right side the second column and uh, king jaehaerys on the left or it could be uh, like aegon's first and there could be megor the second next and as for the carvings i think they are the stories of the kings uh, that uh, their statues are on the column but it's really hard to tell what these carvings are and if you'll focus it almost feels like uh, there is a stairs and a tower or unless it's a huge dragon head what do you guys think what do you think th these carvings are well honestly um it is very very standard um to have historical accounts carved in stone in places like throne rooms like the greeks did it the romans did it most of the um most of the i guess you can say ancient art that we have depict the mythology of the culture that put them up not necessarily the religious mythology but um essentially the why we're in power kind of thing you know the story of how cool we are so I honestly think that you're onto something with the history of the conquering of Westeros on there. It's really hard to see on see on my screen with my resolution though. So, you know, that's what I'm seeing is a bunch of people under dragons going ah. So yeah, that that's what I'm seeing. Um, Constance, what about you? Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent you know uh, guess as to what we're looking at. The, the Targaryens are all about showing people that they're in power, right? They, they're a very visual medium of person, whether it's the visuals of the dragon, the visuals of the Iron Throne, the banners everywhere. And so I think that for them to carve their history into these columns, especially if, if Usman's right and it's each king and his accomplishments, I mean, would they really want to do one for Maegor, though? I mean, yeah, the guy was king. <laughs> the guy was a total ass. Um, but nonetheless, he was king, so... Uh, I, I would love to see these up close. We probably won't get a lot of detail out of them because it's a background feature, but it is so beautiful to look at. Just somebody sat there and did all that detail work on these things. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, let me in the, let me in the throne room. Let me in the throne room. I just want to walk on the set for five minutes. <laughs> of course, that'll turn like five hours, but you know. I think we might get to see a close-up of it, of it because in one of the uh, a new rain trailer uh, teaser, we get to see uh, there's a clip of uh, uh, King Viserys touching these carvings. So we might get uh, a zoom uh, zoom up shot of that. <laughs> At least on their uh, show. <laughs> what, what's your thoughts, Sam? Yeah, I could definitely see them being being uh, the Targaryen history. I mean, if there's anything that uh, Game of Thrones content likes to do, they like to talk about uh, Aegon the Conqueror. So I'm sure there's a good amount of Aegon the Conqueror on there, Field of Fire. Uh, 
I feel like Magor, if uh, he's got anything up there, I'm sure he put it there himself, <laughs> as, uh, as you said. <laughs> I doubt his ancestors, like, looking upon him very fondly, so... Uh, but I could definitely see even like maybe a um, father daughter moment checking out the the pillars and him telling a story of like Aegon coming to conquer Westeros or or any of or maybe a story about his sisters. So like I could totally see maybe it like coming in here and there. But yeah, yeah, I think it makes a lot maybe of sense. Maybe it could be Megor and his six wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Need a lot more columns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, if uh, our viewers have any, uh, or our listeners have any views, and if you can figure out what it is, you can tell us on our social media platforms, which Sam will let you know at the end of, end of this episode. And after uh, this, uh, we know Rhaenyra meets with Damon, and uh, Damon uh, gives her a necklace. Uh, if you zoom in on the necklace. It seems like it's in a uh, circular shape with a triangle within. It's hard to figure out what it is. What do you think, Constance? Well, there's a couple shots in this trailer uh, that we're not going to go too much into depth with, but it, it's that same necklace, in my opinion. It looks like a three interlocked circles with a ruby in the center, which could represent the three heads of the dragon. Um so it, it, whatever the significance of this necklace is, whether he's giving it to her, whether he's taking it from her, it definitely has a Targaryen uh, family kind of dynasty feel to it. What a loving uncle. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's such a great uncle. <laughs> okay, and so what's next, Constance? All right, so next we have a nice shot of him. Uh, with his gold cloaks, uh, and it looks like that they're doing their duty with uh, a lot of, of, of anger. Um, he's wearing he's wearing the same armor that he wore to the tourney. Uh, there's another shot from the same segment where you can see his armor in much greater detail. Uh, but it's the same helmet. It's just the wings have been taken off. And uh, which makes sense because your tourney helmet is going to be a lot fancier than your everyday wear helmet when somebody can just come by and knock those things off if you're in the middle of a fight. But the front of the helmet uh, looks like a dragon is perching on top of it. We don't get it. Yeah, it looks like a dragon's head. Yeah. You can see the eyes. Yeah, it's a dragon's head <laughs> and then you've got the wings uh, coming up from the back in the other shot. But yeah, here he's, here he's being Lord Fleabottom with his gold cloaks and going in and either... Uh, bashing heads taking names or uh they're just causing some problems because he's not a happy camper but from uh what uh i think uh he might be just punishing criminals because you know he could be harsh on the criminals mm -hmm. he took his job very seriously i don't think he's beating up yeah the crime reduced a lot when he was the lord of uh free bottom <laughs> and the lord commander of city watch yeah, so it's the same helmet, just the wings have been removed when he's uh, actually fighting. So, oh, this one. Yeah, go into this one. Then we see King Viserys' finger being cut by the Iron Throne. And you can see the blood uh, on the swords of the Iron Throne. It is a very sharp throne and it's not very comfortable and it is not meant to be a comfortable seat for the kings. But if some, if a ruler gets cut by the Iron Throne, it is commonly believed that the, that, that ruler has been rejected by the Iron Throne, that he is not a good ruler. 
So what are your thoughts on it, Constance? Yeah, we've, we kind of discussed this in some of our other episodes when we're talking about the grandeur and the nature and the history of the Iron Throne itself. This is a bad sign. It's, it, it's an omen yeah. <laughs> that some, either he's unworthy to be king, that there's something really bad that's going to happen, which, you know, we, probably going to happen. It's Game of Thrones. Something's going to go wrong, right? Um, but <laughs> this is a very symbolic moment that they wanted to show you that the throne is not an easy chair to rest in. You know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Well, uncomfortable is the ass that sits in the Iron Throne. <laughs> uh, and bloody are the, the hands, yeah. evidently. <laughs> so I think this is an important scene to show because it, it tells us that whoever that is, we're assuming it's Viserys, it looks like Viserys, uh, is losing his grip on things which is uh, definitely going to be a plot point for what's happening with the conflict of his, of his heirs, which is what, you know, you hear a lot of discussion about that in this trailer is the issue of who's his heir. But we'll go into that when we get to that section. But Yeah, we, dis- we discussed in that previous episodes that being a good person does not equals a good r- ruler. So we know he was a good person, but doesn't mean he was a good ruler. <laughs> so maybe it's kind of like being rejected by the throne for that yeah. <laughs> you're not cutthroat enough not ruthless enough and speaking of heirs there is young Rayanra his uh his named heir as the cupbearer there on the lower right hand of the screen this is a meeting of the small council on the left we have Otto Hightower who's the hand in the back we have Ryan Red Redmire Red Redime, I believe it's pronounced? Red wine. Red wine. Oh, red wine. Duh. Red wine. Yeah, Ryan Redwine, who's the commander of the King's Guard, so he's on duty. Lionel Strong, the Master of Laws. You have Grandmaster Mello, Grandmaster Melos. You've got Liam and Beesbury, the Master of Coins, and you've got Colors Falarian, who is, I believe, Master of Ships at that point in time. All sitting on the small council. They are discussing the issue of succession. Because the king has no male heir. And uh, I think at this point, this is probably before he names Ranra as his heir, just based on the timing. We know that it seems like it. Seems it. Like it. We know there's a big investment ceremony. We've seen the shots of that in the other trailer. Uh, I think this is probably one of those points where he's where they're trying to persuade him who's going to be his heir. And uh, we know that they talk about her and they talk about Damon. And this is one of those scenes that's going to be pivotal to that because they're going to be talking about this little laws of succession and who's going to be taking things up next. But uh, what we wanted to point out was that Ranra, as the cupbearer, was there to learn. That is what her father put her there for. Not just to keep her close. It's like, the, oh, hey, honey, can you pour me some wine? It's more like, hey, honey, listen to how politics works. Listen to how the different different heads of the small council get along, learn how to govern. You know, most of the kings and lords do this, uh, like uh, whoever they wants to be their heir, they want them to attend the meetings. So they have them as their cupbearer in the books. Yeah, cupbearer is a very prestigious position. It's one of honor and trust because this is the person that's handling all the drink and they're the ones that could poison you if, <laughs> if you pick the wrong person. So that's, that's with that. Um, so that's our small council meeting here in the scene. 
Then we see a dragon, which is most likely Cyrax, flying towards the dragon pit. And we have discussed this uh, dragon pit in our uh, previous video, uh, in our previous episode. As you can see, we weren't so sure uh, if it was a, a dragon pit or a mountain. But now that we have seen the uh, close-up cleaner shot, it is definitely the dragon pit that's on the right side of the red cape. And uh, in front of the dragon pit, there's the jousting arena. You can see a clear shot of dragon pit in one of the other clips. You can see uh, it's so high. You have to climb so many stairs to get inside the dragon pit. Yeah, the dragon pit was pretty massive. I wonder how the dragons got inside. Oh, it's probably, probably a hole in the roof. <laughs> I'm, sure we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to watch that. That'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah. Coming in for a landing. What do you think, Constance? Yeah, well, we could see that it's got a huge cavernous opening there in the front. If you're looking up the steps, and they are massive steps. So we know that this building is very deep. It's very deep. It's very big. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that they've got some kind of roof opening in the roof so that the dragons can fly in. But considering the size of some of these things, that's going to have to be a pretty big opening. Some of these dragons were huge. Yeah, we already saw the destroyed version of yeah. Dragon Pit in Game of Thrones. Yeah, we saw the, the ruined version of it. Uh, now we get to go into some fun detail. Let's take a look at, Ray, at the armor that Damon's wearing when he's at the tourney. Um, we had talked in a previous episode how this kind of reminded, especially Uzma, was really reminded of the armies of Rhaegar Targaryen. <laughs> Uh, Rhaegar Targaryen was Daenerys' yeah. brother, and he was the heir to the Mad King. And uh, his armor was described as being all black, with rubies that picked out the Targaryen crest, the three-headed dragon of his house. Uh, he wore uh, scarlet streamers in his helm, and wore black plate over golden ring mail with long red, long streamers like fire that floated behind his helm. So you can kind of see that might have been the inspiration, all the descriptions of this beautiful set of armor. Uh, if you're looking at, at Matt Smith, he's wearing a helm with a dragon over the top of the head. It looks like a dragon's head over the very top of the crest there. And uh, it's got winged helm. And here's another shot of it that you could see the dragons and that have been etched as well as the rubies that are there on the breastplate. And even the helm has little ruby eyes for his dragon. So it's it's very fancy. If if the, This is the same armor that he was wearing in the earlier shot in Flea Bottom, only he's not wearing his gold cloak and you can see the detail and much, much more uh, attention now in this shot. And the helm has the wings attached to it, which is a more ceremonial look versus a practical helmet. Maybe it's uh, uh, maybe Rhaegar was uh, maybe Rhaegar found something about his armor and had his armor ma custom made to look like uh, Damon's armor. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah, we never got to see Rhaegar's actual armor in Game of Thrones, so maybe this was their tribute to that famous description in the in the rubies set on there. But love the rubies. Yeah. <laughs> and they are some big rubies. That's beautiful. Even the dragon's eyes has yeah, rubies in it. Yeah, even the little helm. There's two little rubies for the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah, it's a really nice yeah. set. If, if you get a chance, just zoom in on that shot and just geek out over it because it's absolutely lovely to look at. <laughs> then we see some uh, houses, at least six houses, uh, who are uh, standing before Rhaenyra and her uh, protector, uh, Sir Gerald Hightower. So on the extreme left side, we see House Karen. It 
The banner looks a little bit like house went but it's not because it has nightingales on it not bats and then we have uh, the eagle of house malister then we have house corbray which has a uh, crows with hearts clutched and uh, behind uh, sir christian cole it's really hard to see the banner but there is a knight who is wearing a a tunic of green and orange but it's really hard to tell uh, which which house it is on the extreme right we can see house charlie's huntsman banner and uh, between them there's another banner which has a white either bull or a boar uh, it's really hard to tell and uh, if you look at the pieces on the table there are six pieces representing these six houses um, and in a semicircle and since the knight from house karen is standing in the middle the house uh, house karen's piece is put in the center of the table and if you look at the houses behind it there's house malister's eagle the house corbray's crows uh, clutching a heart and on the right you can see how charlie's huntsman and it's either a it actually looks more like a goat to me in this piece <laughs> and is it just me or does the centerpiece looks a lot like a demogorgon <laughs> i just saw it and thought demogorgon <laughs> what do you guys think <laughs> which banners are these well honestly as the major dnd player here i can definitely i'm definitely <laughs> getting some demogorgon vibes um but mainly from Karen, the guy under the table there. Um, but yeah, the House Targaryen or the the which one is that? Yeah, the House Karen. Um, I guess you can say chess piece or sculpture. Yeah. There, it very much looks more like a fantasy creature than it does than any of the other sigils that are on um that are on that table. Yeah. You know, I, I can definitely see like the the eagle of House um, Hollister and House Tarly's Hunchman looks like one of many of the miniatures I have <laughs> in my collection. You know what I mean? So it's like, look, we're in archers. How original. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Do you think it's a white bull or a boar? I can't decide on it. Like uh, you can see it on I'm the tunic. I'm guessing it's boar. I think it's, I think it's Craycall. Yeah, it looks... Uh, it looks much more like a bull or a boar because of um the overall arc from snout to tail you know um bulls tend to be known for big heads and big horns and they tend to be in more dynamic type poses like cow it, it looks like if it were a bull it looks like mm -hmm. it would be grazing more like a cow you know so i'm going to i'm going to go with great big pig which you know, not, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Great Big Pig. So keep that away from the stag flag. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan Reynolds, and with my friend Katie, we are both working to create and share art for all of our favorite fandoms at Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. We have bookmarks, so many stickers, earrings, prints of all sizes, super small, and all the way up to 24 by 30 inches to really show off all of your favorite characters. We have coloring books, keychains, and always more on the way.
way. So if you want a Hobbit Hole bookmark or a set of Legend of Zelda Korok earrings, stickers for all of your favorite Marvel characters, or a big wall art poster of the Night's Watch Vow's words so that you can recite them every time you need to pump yourself up, head over to 4Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's the number four and cats with a K. You can even use the code WATCHPARTY10 to get a 10% discount. That's 4Cats Boutique on Etsy. So that's going to be an interesting scene. Oh, it looks like this is the shot of that pendant that uh, Damon gave to her. With the three circles interlocked in the ruby. Uh, she's wearing a red dress with a golden collar. And uh, golden earrings with, again, rubies in it. It's, it's hard to say what this scene is. There's, there's a lot. There's people in the background, but we really can't make them out. It looks like there's some kind of chair next to her with an ornate back. Uh, but this is just, I think this is something to do with that necklace that we see with Damon. Uh, and, uh, it, cause it's that triple, triple dragon kind of logo, which is like a Triskelion almost. It's rather pretty. Okay. I would like to add, uh, I think it's the astrolobe, astrolobe we see, uh, in the beginning of the Game of Thrones intro. It looks like that because if you look at the picture uh, there are rings around the sun and if you uh, look at zoom in on her necklace it looks like uh, the, there's a sun and uh, there are rings around it so what do you guys think mm. does it look similar it very much does kind of look yeah it does kind of look like an astrolabe um which definitely has the symbolism um of all things revolve mm -hmm. around Targaryen with the ruby in the middle. You know, like, we are the center of the universe because, you know, dragons, fire, all that stuff. Um, one of the things I'm noticing most about this outfit, though, and I don't have that same eye, but it reminds me of a tulip grown in um, Nice in the sense of, God, it looks like the hybrid between something French and something Dutch because that <laughs> collar is just going... <laughs> they're they're inspired by everything. It's like they're they're having fun with different fashion styles because we've seen some Spanish inspiration, we've seen some French inspiration, some Tudor inspiration. That's the beauty of a fantasy world where you can just kind of take what you want and put it together and make something beautiful out of it. And what do you think, Sam? Does it look similar? Yeah, I would think so. I think it uh, like I think the Targaryens. We've kind of talked about how lavish that that they are. So I think kind of linking that with kind of you know the Game of Thrones intro is pretty lavish, and I'm I'm interested to see if they do something similar with this show. So, uh, yeah, I could I could totally see that, and I feel like it's a nice little Easter egg too, and for people to be like, oh, what does it mean? What does it mean? Even if it doesn't mean anything. So, but either way, I I mean it's it's a awesome piece of Targaryen jewelry, and I I kind of love that they're really leaning into the Targaryens, just kind of showing it all off. So, yeah, they are big show offs. <laughs> yeah. And there's an empty chair uh, uh, beside her. It could be the same chair where uh, Alison would say, sit, assuming it's the same tourney. What do you think, Constance? Yeah, it's the same shot. Uh, if you look at what she's wearing, she's got a red dress on with a, with a gold high-fluted collar. 
So we know that that's going to be pretty much the same scene. Uh, if you look at what she's wearing in this. And the back of that chair does resemble the chair that we saw in the previous shot. So you're definitely onto something there, Uzma. And then uh, after that, we see a dragon burning people on a mountainside. And uh, if you zoom in, you can see that the uh, saddle is empty. There's no one sitting on that uh, saddle uh, in the saddle and to the extreme right you can see some people fighting and some in some of the later shots we see Devon fighting on the ground so it seems like he has left Karaxis and is fighting on the ground by on his own and uh, by the way uh, can I just say I love how much they are sticking to the books the saddles the whips uh, these are some things uh, that weren't in Game of Thrones so what do you think, Constance? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Damon was a competent warrior, and his dragon, the Bloodworm, was definitely able to uh, handle itself. You know, it, it it's an accomplished fighter. It's a very fast, very big, very powerful dragon. Uh, so obviously, it's kind of trained for war to where it doesn't need a rider. It doesn't need a master to tell it what to do to burn one's enemies, which is dangerous because then you've got the the, the man, and then you've got the monster. <laughs> It's like he loves to fight. He's just, oh yeah. He's always itching, itching for a fight. <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of how he is. <laughs> and look at the carnage. Yeah. Look at the destruction. Just look at that. It's some kind of battle, obviously. Uh, can we say which battle is it, or will it be a spoiler? Oh, let's save it for a surprise. Let's save that for the audience to <laughs> when we get to this this lovely bit of destruction. Uh, there are broken ships. Yeah, I guess we can call it the fire festival for now. <laughs> <laughs> Just disastrous. <laughs> you might have some people asking which one you're talking about, honestly. <laughs> you're right. Not yeah. enough sandwiches on the ground, I guess. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that one actually looks like a more successful fire festival. <laughs> but uh, there aren't too many ashes uh, at least here, there are a couple of fires, but it's not, it doesn't look like uh, how uh, Drogon's battle looked when he burned down everything. Yeah. There were ashes everywhere. So I'm not seeing very, too many ashes here. Not as much scorched earth, huh? Yeah. So he's uh, fighting on the side of the mountain. Uh, maybe there are soldiers up ahead and Damon is fighting this side. I think uh, we also saw a shot of... Uh, Carlos Valarian fighting mm -hmm. uh, someone. Yeah, we know, there's another shot of that so, in the trailer. His armor's badass, too. <laughs> there are burnt ships behind them. Okay, here we get into a scene that we've seen multiple times from different angles. This one keeps getting drawn out from trailer to trailer to trailer. It shows uh, Alicent in her, her disheveled state with the cat's paw dagger, and now we see that she ran forward to attack Rayenra. Uh, Rihanna's uh, holding her aback, and you can see that the King's Guard are starting to um, draw their swords and hold other people back. You can see that the Valerian family's there over on the left-hand side of the screen. You can see all of them. Then you can see Sir Christian Cole's there on the bottom right, and it looks like he's holding back Damon. Um, who do you guys think that it, who do you think that is? In, it's definitely a Targaryen, but who do you think he's holding off? I think it's King Viserys. <laughs> That's what I was kind of thinking too. It kind of looks like Viserys, yeah. yeah. Uh, because it doesn't look yeah, like it Damon. It definitely looks like yeah. Damon. Uh, I don't see Damon in this. Because shot. he's in that tall, I guess. Yeah, given that the king's guard in white, the one that's pointing there, is kind of like 
a dynamic pose that kind of says, oh, my God, OK, it's time to get to work. Um, you know, so it, it very much looks like um, uh, what I'm getting from this scene is like the king decided to spring into action in some sort of way. Sir, um, Sir Whoopi of <laughs> Bebe um, is stopping him over there. So, yeah, just kind of like, whoa, hey, get back here, the king. Um, no matter how this plays out, you need to live. That's kind of what I'm seeing. And uh, you can see uh, that uh, Renira are holding a bag, like protecting. Uh, you can see kids uh, with black hair. And can we say who they nope. are? No, nope. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> and there's uh, Thailand Lannister. I think it's Thailand Lannister. I'm not. Sh- I'm not so sure. And he's pointing at uh, Sir Gerald Hightower. Is pointing at Christian Cole, and he was. Uh, later made Lord Commander of the King Card, right? Yeah, I think so. So he's kind of uh, their leader, so he can order him to stop. Okay, so Hmm. that's all we have for today. And back to you, Sam. Awesome. Uh, Next, we have our Raven's Eye segment, where Solar will be talking about the cinematography and directorial choices made and how they affected the trailer. To you, Solar. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Raven's Eye. Now, we've got a lot of stuff. And if you're wondering why we're calling this Raven's Eye, because we as the audience are above all of this stuff, and I'm just looking down at all this going, man, I'm (laughs) glad I'm not there. But... uh, So, uh, let's take a look at this trailer. Again, this is the one that dropped this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con. And um, this one is very, very, very detailed, given the rest of the stuff that we've gotten were teasers. They were two-minute teasers. But this one is like, yeah, trailers. Now, we're doing this without sound, Um, mainly because I don't want to get flagged. But... um, also, let's really look at a lot of the stuff that's going, but I will turn on the subtitles um, so that you guys can see all of that jazz. So let's take a look now at this trailer. As we can see, it starts off with Renero walking into the throne room. And there is an overall theme. Oh, look, it's a Targaryen with <laughs> fire again. I wonder why. Um and here we are. I'm on a horse. Um, you know, look at your man and look at me. But we also have um, a really big theme coming across this one, which is very informative. Um, a repeat of the dragon shot of Dragon in Flight. And what we have on this one, if we take a look at the subtitles and stuff like that, um, and we're going to be examining the soundtrack as well but i want to look at these things separately but an interesting shot there um other than matt smith looking all bad guyish, like look at me i'm the villain um we've got a lot of going fires and extinguishing fires almost like um foreshadowing okay specifically with the shot of renera blowing out the um blowing out the candle it's like hmm could that be foreshadowing but the overall sense of this particular trailer comes down just visually speaking conflict there is so much conflict happening um within these shots everything there is intense conversation war more intense conversation battle 
aftermath of battle, more intense conversation, but all the all the conversation is very wrapped around confrontation, which I find rather interesting. Um, so yeah, we have, um, very much a lot of, I don't know if you guys can, uh, you guys aren't picking up the sound on the trailer, but what we have here, and this here is a fantastic shot of the hugeness of the situation here where we have Damon and the dragon and yeah. some dude in a mask. I don't know yeah, who the dude that's... in the mask is, but you know, no, we're doing that thing. But with this trailer, we have a lot of talk about essentially the plot of this show, which is very much the war between the greens and the reds. Read a uh, book, people. Um, and it all comes down to they're not letting a woman. Uh, green and the black. Yeah, the green and the black. Sorry, the green and the blacks. Um, thank you. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should read a book. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and. Every single thing in this trailer is they're not going to let a woman be a, be a successor. A woman can't be queen. A woman can't be queen. And looking at the complete shot, we're going to go back for a half a sec. We have um, Damon snatching the um, yes, yeah, snatching the necklace from Rhaenyra. As if to say, nope, you can't have this. I'm taking it. Which is very much the overall theme of this trailer and then of course hey guys we got dragons we got dragons it's coming out in august hey look at the dragons we're we're, we're bringing in you guys and the dragons um so honestly i think in this trailer there is a lot and i don't think we'll we'll be able to do the sound yet but um because we can't talk about the sound that we can't hear but <laughs> um all of the dialogue in all this is essentially the king is saying, I've named my heir. What's your problem? <laughs> and sure enough, we've got everybody else saying our problem is we don't want to get led by a woman. They won't let a woman lead. A woman will never rule the rule the kingdom. And then conflict, more and more conflict. Now, um, a lot of the shots in this in this trailer are very much setting up Damon Targaryen to be the antagonist. Okay, this um, this trailer is shot in a way that leads us to believe that Rhaenyra is very much our main character, our Jon Snow of the series. And Damon is very much going, uh-uh, nope, I'm taking it. It's mine. It's mine. I'm naming a new heir. That heir is me. What's up? Um, you don't like it. You're going to have to fight me for it. And remember, fighting is what I do. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, when we go from site to site, we have the normal Game of Thrones formula of long walks in places while conversations are happening with the undertone of treachery and plots, along with more and more fighting. So on this particular trailer, I'm noticing is um, they're really pushing less conversation, more action um versus the game of thrones television show so now this trailer was released at san diego comic-con and that that is very important to consider because when these things are released they're generally released if you guys are not um if you guys aren't in southern california chicago or new york um 
San Diego Comic-Con has what's called Hall H, which is where all of their really big things are doing. So we're talking 2,000 people are going to see this trailer when it drops, and the editors of the trailers have to put everything together for the woos! Oh my god! Was a direct one for Batman vs. Superman all those years ago. So this trailer has a lot of conflict, a lot of action, and it seems like it's being pushed to go, remember, there are going to be armies fighting, this is going to be epic, versus the standard Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire um, formula, which is a lot of talking, <laughs> a lot of talking, a lot of conversations, even the books, you'll get two to three pages of fighting per 30 pages of conversation. And they're really putting this trailer <laughs> together for the woos, I can see. So um, that's definitely what I can see. What do you guys think? I mean, am I on to something or am I just off? Sam? No, I, I, think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, there was a, a, a ton of action in there. Um, like you said, Matt Smithy Smith Smith was at his most Smith. So it was like mm -hmm. you get a lot of that. <laughs> Um, I, it was like a super action-packed trailer. I feel like the other trailers were kind of like a ooh, and this was like the ah, like, you know, there was like so much going <laughs> on in it. And it, I mean, like, I feel like I say this every time we talk about these trailers, but like this one, I was just like, oh my God, like this is like the actual <laughs> Dance of Dragons, like it's going on, it's happening. But I, I also thought that in this one, they gave like a really cool look at like how the world is with dragons in it. Like we had like, you know, the Game of Thrones show was like less dragons, you know, it was more of like, this is a fantasy world. There's a few dragons hanging out. But this one was like, how do people live in a world with dragons? So like that, that kind of that like look of where Damon is, where they, like there's a bunch of carnage and then like seeing the dragons like flying over um, King's Landing and the dragon like blown off the on the side of the wall. Like, I think it's cool that they had like, it was like the mix of action, like a ton of action. And then also like, Oh, yeah, but sometimes they just live with dragons hanging out. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I like, actually, I like the last trailer better than this one. I'm, I'm going to be a little contrary here. I thought that the other trailer gave us a lot more of uh, drama from a character standpoint, whereas this one was a lot more flash, bang, visual, look at our CG effects, uh, which is kind of necessary when you're in Hall H. You, you've got. <laughs> Uh, an audience that you want to impress because the whatever gets shown at Comic-Con really can influence whether or not you fail or succeed. It is that big of a deal. So they wanted to show, I think they wanted to show the flashier substances, the flashier scenes for this, um, rather than more storytelling. And yeah, I do agree. It is, it is really setting up Damon to be an antagonist which i'm not necessarily sure that's the case you know it it could be that this is that though i know we've discussed like characters being substituted maybe they're using him in place of other characters or other situations uh to cut 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 down on the blow that mm -hmm. could be yeah. even blackfire oh Instead sorry a thousand and one characters <laughs> sorry just had something Smithy's in my throat there uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your opinion on this trailer? 
being a demon fan uh, i would say i, I agree, disagree with solar on this like uh, you said uh, solar you said uh, that it looked like a uh, demon was trying to take everything from renira but uh, as maybe all the demon fans would agree with me <laughs> because uh, it seemed looked to me like uh, renira uh, like things were taking taken from demon and were given to renira at least in the trailer because uh, if you'll follow the previous events the past uh, rules uh, technically demon should have been the, the heir if it was king jaheris at that time he would have named demon uh, the heir just like he named balon but uh, he but because of the high towers interference and uh, because we see high tower uh, auto high tower trying to convince viserys that he should name rainira his heir even though the small council objects to it but then uh, we know he finally convinces uh, viserys to name rainira and uh, you can see how hurt damon looks when uh, viserys tells him that i have decided to name a new heir <laughs> what do you guys think <laughs> Well, I'm just um I'm just stating what the trailer says it it looks like he's setting up with all of the shots of Matt Smith looking mm-hmm. mm, menacing mm, menacing. Now I have a sword, I'm menacing. And now I'm looking at Renera menacingly. And all of the shots that we have here in um in the trailer have Renera looking thoughtful and regal and leader-like where we have Damon um or matt smithy smith having the matt smith grumpy old man look um that made him famous in doctor who uh <laughs> you know just looking at everything like mm, you're the I, I love you but you're the reason that i lost everything mm, you know um now that might not be what the show is setting up and it's definitely not how the story played out in the printed page but um this trailer being for the chads you know for the people that get together at the bar to watch the show um it very much seems like it's trying to reel them in with here is a good guy here is a bad guy um there's going to be conflict (laughs) chills thrills drama um yes dragons look at all the dragons that and of course look at what the dragon can do you know with the scorched earth but not quite as scorched as the stories have told type shots and um see in here well uh, there are a couple of characters in here that come out which yeah. is the guy in the mask who is that guy and the dude in the eye patch who's that guy <laughs> um yeah guy in the eye patch that's fighting some folks but yeah if we uh take a look at the at the trailer yeah, we've got guy in the eye patch fighting um, <laughs> Sir Hotness of Standard Game of Thrones show, and um, yeah, it, it's only it's a blink and you'll miss it moment. You know, we got the dragon and this guy here, right there. Like, who is that guy? We don't know who that guy is, but he's there. He's got an eye patch. He's got the Targaryen blonde. And of course, he's fighting um, <laughs> Sir Good of Looking. So, um, Sir Chris, Sir Kristen Swole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And for those of you guys watching, <laughs> I dare you to take a shot when we come up with a new name. <laughs> yeah. <for> this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, all in all, the overall sense for this trailer is 
conflict. It is fighting. Um, the conversations are confrontational and argumentative, and every shot is either someone swinging a weapon at someone's face or someone preparing to swing a weapon at someone's face. And when they cut to someone in conversation, um, it gives the viewer the impression of that conversation was about swinging a weapon at someone's face. So, yeah, this very this whole trailer was definitely for the chats. <laughs> so that, that's what I got to say. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much this segment. Because not much else to say since this trailer didn't have a whole lot of outward, outward substance other than this show is going to be awesome. You guys should subscribe to HBO Max. So that, that's really what this is coming from. Good deal. <laughs> so back to you, awesome. Sam. Uh, and now for our main segment, Fire and Blood, where the whole council digs into some of the biggest moments that came up in the trailer. Uh, Morgan has some questions for us here. Uh, the first question is, what were your initial reactions to the trailer? Uh, Uzma, we can start with you. I just loved it. I especially loved the music about it uh, because uh, what, I just uh, saw the trailer once. And after that, I just couldn't get it out of my head. It kept replaying, uh, especially from uh, the scene where we see the Lord's standing bef- uh, before Rhaenyra. It was so beautiful and it has been such a long time since we have heard something new from Game of Thrones uh, in terms of music. And obviously I loved the dragons and all the court politics that made the first few seasons of Game of Thrones good. And so we have the good part of the first few seasons which was the court politics plus we have the amazing side of the last few seasons which were extremely good uh, dragons and everything so we have both of these combined in this house of the the dragon trailer so we it seems like uh, we have the best of both worlds uh, because uh, it uh, the last few seasons were in my opinion lacking in terms of writing but the visuals were so good the dragons uh, were so much better than the previous seasons so we have that in house of the dragon Plus, we have the uh, court politics, the interactions, which made the first few seasons good. So we have that in House of the Dragon. So it's really good. (laughs) What do you think, Constance? Well, I'm just excited back to do the music for us because his stuff is so beautiful and it encompasses the characters and the story so well. And he draws on so much uh, instrumentation to to tell the story lyrically and musically. So that's something I'm really happy about that he's going to be back for House of the Dragon. So there's there's where your music comes from. It's the same guy. So that's always nice when they can carry over with a, a really good composer like him. Uh, my reaction when seeing the trailer was... Like I said, I wasn't, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, There was lots of action and everything. And we saw some scenes that we had already seen kind of expanded on. And, um, but for me, it it wasn't anything too flashy. I love the dragons. Gotta say, they they were beautiful. (laughs) The CG on those things is immaculate and they look (laughs) scary and imposing, which is what you want out of a dragon especially all these beautiful close-ups of them right before they breathe fire in your face. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't moved by this trailer like I was like the second one. Maybe I'm a little jaded. Maybe it's because I expected more out of a Comic-Con trailer than just like action explosions. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't overwhelmed by it. And I know you've got, you, 
you, how, what do you think of it, Solar? Do you have a different opinion or are you going with the, the Chad theory? I'm right there with you with the music, okay? Um, being the reader of the books, not nearly as avid as, <laughs> as Uzma, because, man, you put me to shame, woman. Um, but the fact of the matter is inside these pages, music means so much in this world everything is like worthy of song everything is like because um the written word at this time or at least at the time that this stuff is inspired by is not something that everyone had access to but um but songs music from the reigns of castamir to um everything that bale the bard ended up singing and how singing and music and playing the lute and all of that stuff is very important to the lore. So the fact that the producers and the showrunners are respectful enough of the source material to pay attention to that really means a lot. But let's face it, other than um, I'm going to say Dan and Dave because <laughs> I like D&D. Um, the rest of the show, you know, the rest of the production value has always been top notch on that. Um, but I wasn't underwhelmed when I saw this trailer. I was simply whelmed. I was more happy to get something other than a trailer, other than a teaser. That I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at this. Fighting, fighting, dragons, dragons. Oh, well, she is prettier in this in this trailer than nor than she has been in the last three. Okay, more fighting, more fighting, more fire. And there we go. However, I will say that the inclusion of the dialogue in this trailer um, kicked it up from, okay, yeah, whatever, to me being whelmed. Because um, the fact that in this trailer, they're essentially <laughs> giving away the plot. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it really is like, um, what's going to be going on? Nope, not naming a woman, not naming a girl. Look, I already named my heir. We don't like that. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, everything in that trailer was like, um, this is the overall premise. Now see how this folds out to play. And I honestly think that it was a very safe move on the part of HBO because the people that already know what they're talking about i.e. the book readers like us and our viewers are gonna oh, yeah. watch this show let's fit it doesn't matter how We're much here. we complain or bitch moan whine or as my mom would say bitch and moan or bam 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 we've already got hbo max we're gonna be watching this show all right they, they got us okay fine you took my money i'm here for the long haul but for those people that aren't knee deep in the lore and in the stories and who haven't read the five main books and aren't chopping at the bit for um the winds of winter to finally show up um they're getting enough to see what the conflict is going to be and if they watch the old show we know there's going to be a bunch of talking where the most important thing is to get us into that mall or Everyone else is just there to get us through those doors conversations. Um, but they're showing people how much they actually missed being in this world. Um, the outfits, the pretty people, um, the sets, the epic battles. Um, so I think this trailer was very much put together to um, 
to really re-wet people's appetites. Um, Because it's been, what, three, four years since we got that conclusion to the last show that non-book readers thought was fine. And um, the people that are knee-deep in Lord hated. (laughs) Um, So to get a whole lot of the bad press out of the thing, it's like, look, this is the world that you guys really liked (laughs) at one point or another. Don't you want to come back? Listen to the music. Look at the costumes. Look at the armor. <laughs> Come on. We have cookies. And Dan and Dave are gone. And we have cookies. <laughs> you know. So that that's what I'm seeing with this trailer. And I'm like, okay, well, nice try. I mean, I was already here. So, you know, that, that's, <laughs> you, Sam? that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> but again, I'm Bravosi. So. <laughs> All right. Our next question. Will they show a linear style of history or flashbacks between time oh. periods? Oh, yeah. What about you? Hold up, hold Sneak up. You didn't by. answer what you thought about that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mr. Pat. You're not dodging you this. You gave such a good explanation uh-huh. of it, you know? Uh, I only gave mine. They want to hear your opinion. You're the host. I guess, like, I, I mean, I got to say, I'm with the Chads on this one. I was loving it. I was like, <laughs> they came out blasting. They were like, here's some action. Here's some action. Here's Matt Smith Smith. Here's uh, Sir uh, Hot Stuff. You know, they were doing all of it. So, no, I I, I really liked it. I, uh, I, I do agree that I think that they gave away too much, but I think that's a problem with just all trailers now i feel like every trailer out there just gives away like way too much stuff like for example nope i like purposely only watched the teaser trailer (laughs) and i was like okay cool i won't watch the trailer anymore and then i saw a thumbnail for the actual trailer that was like the one of the biggest moments of the movie and i was like well there goes that but anyways back to this um you know, obviously we've read it, so I guess I'm, I was, like, less bummed of getting, like, of so many things in the trailer. So I think that's also why I was like, yeah, give me the dragons, like, blow some shit up, let's go. So, no, I, I, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. So that's my, uh, my Chad two cents. <laughs> okay, so our next question. Uh, will they show a linear style of history or flashbacks between time periods? Oh, I think I've said this before that I'm I'm afraid that we're going to go watch Witcher style and have a scene in which they talk about something and then we'll flash back to that scene and then we're not really sure when exactly that takes place and then it'll flash back to the modern times and then it'll flash to the future. I just really hope that they start with the old king and then go forward. So that way we've got a nice linear timeline that we don't have to play games with. Just please, please tell the story in the order in which it needs to be told. Don't jump around. Uh, Sam, what do you think about that? Start at you. I, I, I kind of, I, I do think they're going to jump around, but I do agree with you that they should do a linear story. There are so many characters and so many things happening that I feel like it's already going to be confusing enough. And then you're going to throw in jumping around timeline wise. So I, I do hope it's a linear story, but I'm I'm kind of thinking that they're going to probably like jump around a little bit and with a flashback here and there, I'd say so. I think they're going to give us a linear story with flashbacks. Um, and this is just based on the old show. Okay. Um, and I think the flashbacks are, if they're smart, 
if they're smart, the flashbacks are going to be in cold opens, you know, um, because <laughs> I don't see any green seers popping out in this one. Um, so I also don't see them doing the once upon a time thing where a maester sits us down in the first episode going, let me tell you the story of the dance of dragons. You know, I, I, I don't really see that happening. I think we're going to see the events play out. But we are going to get a flashback here and there. But overall, I think it's going to be a linear story because um, the jump around time thing, it's okay for The Witcher because it's got a built-in audience that's used to that format because of video games and the books. But um, the built-in audience for Game of Thrones is not expecting that. Um when it comes to the story. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't see Christopher <laughs> Nolan's name in this, so we're not going to be playing with time or folding scenery. Um, and I think that given the outrage to the last show, um, the amount of risks that they're willing to take with this new show as a good show of faith, because David, Dan and distrucity aren't there anymore. Um, I think they're going to play it safe and give us the type of story that would bring more people in, at least for the first three seasons. You know, especially since George, um, the man we haven't talked about this this season, is, you know, sort of there and his history of TV and his owning of the property and all that. I don't think they would give us a jump. I don't think he would allow them to give us any avant-garde artsy fartsy filmmaking when it comes to the telling of the story as a whole. You know what I mean? So that's where I said. Uzma? We know uh, there will be uh, the Great Council of 101 AC and George has said that it will be at the very beginning of the episode, which is uh, a very great idea because it's, uh, it will set up, uh, it will tell everyone why everyone thinks that a female uh, shouldn't be the heir. And what happens when the king only has a female child and a brother who, who is the priority for most of the lords. So it will start from there. And after that, we don't know uh, if it will go linear or not. But I agree with you guys that it should be linear because it will be more clear that way. Because The Witcher was very confusing for most of the fans and they weren't sure what was going on. On and it won't work uh, with Game House of the Dragon, so I really hope it's linear and there can be occasional uh, occasional flashbacks. And we know Viserys will have a prophetic dream uh, where we'll get to see maybe get to see a few clips of the dance. But uh, other than that, it being linear would make uh, the chronological events would make more more sense. Good deal. So. It's funny that you mentioned that dream. That is the next question here. Is King Viserys mentions a dream in the trailer. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? And do you think it will have any impact on the show? Solar, we can start with you. Um, honestly, I think it's going to have impact on the show in a subtle but overall way. Okay. Um, the prophetic dreams that are brought out in this franchise as a whole um tend to fall into the category of <laughs> a character has a prophetic dream and they interpret it 
wrong. <laughs> um, I don't care if you're the Red Woman or Daenerys or Jon Snow or Brandon Stark. It doesn't matter. Um, the only prophecy that ever came to pass that wasn't absolutely misinterpreted was from Rainey's The Dreamer and the Fall of Valeria. That's it. <laughs> so it's going to play a part that's like, oh, that was an interesting dream. I guess that's foreshadowing to something that I will not heed and I will soon forget because that is how Game of Thrones works. That, that's what I say. Uh, what about you, Uzma? This is definitely your department. <laughs> I do believe it will have a huge uh, uh, impact on the show because uh, my theory is that uh, Ceres will, will see uh, in his dream that once he places his heir on the Iron Throne, it will fo be followed by a huge war. There will be fire and blood and everything. So I think... And this is just my theory that high towers will take advantage of that, and they will use it, uh, use this dream as an excuse to convince Viserys to change his air. Because from what we have seen in the trailer, it is uh, pretty much decided that Damon is will be the heir. everyone just assumes that Damon will be the heir because uh, King Viserys has no son, uh, so his uh, just like Aemon and Balon. Uh, that Damon will be the heir. So when in the trailer, uh, Viserys tells uh, Damon that I'm choosing a new heir, he Damon looks shocked, and uh, it it's really conflicting because uh, in the uh, small council room we see that uh, Viserys has brought in uh, Rhaenyra as his cupbearer, which you mostly do, which the kings mostly do when they have decided that they are going to name a person his heir. But at this meeting. Sir Otto is uh, trying to convince him to change his heir and make Rhaenyra his heir. So it's uh, that decision has not been made, but he has still invited Rhaenyra to attend the meeting. So it's pretty conflicting. Uh, so mm -hmm. it hasn't been divided. Uh, I think uh, Otto, Sir Otto didn't convince Viserys at that time that uh, he should name Rhaenyra. But he is trying to because it will be maybe easier for him to re remove a female heir uh, rather than a male heir. That's my theory. <laughs> what do you think, Sam? Uh, I mean, if we, we could probably do a whole episode <laughs> on Targaryens and prophecy and how they feel about it. And uh, I mean, I think it's going to go pretty poorly for them. I think, uh, you know, if, we, if there was anything that we've learned from all the Targaryen prophecies is that they're usually wrong, kind of like how Solar said. Like George loves a good prophecy to just be like, just kidding, it's not happening. <laughs> so I, I think it's it's gonna be one of those things. Viserys is gonna probably dream something. He's gonna do something, and it's all gonna completely back backfire. Which you know that's why we watch and that's why we read. So like I'm all for the uh, the fake prophecies. I kind of like that as like a because I feel like that all the theories that also come out of Game of Thrones are always someone like, well, this prophecy says this, and this prophecy says this. And there's always that one person that's like, yeah, but what if the prophecy is just not a prophecy? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to hearing whatever the dream is and how it kind of unfolds in the show and everything. So, yeah. What about you, Constance? Well, what does he say? He says, I heard the thundering of hooves and the roaring of dragons all at once, right? That's kind of what, what he says his dream was about. I, I think that he's probably, I think you all are probably mm -hmm. on the right track where he's dreaming about the, the coming conflict between his heirs or heir or lack of an heir. Um, but I'm going to go out 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the scene of the hand bleeding on the Iron Throne is going to be part of that dream. Ooh. <laughs> I, don't think, I, like I don't think it's an actual Ooh. bleeding on the throne. I think that's part of his dream is bleeding on the throne. Uh, which, again, is the indication of doom. It's a portent of doom to come uh, and a poor leadership. And there was never anything really that, that kind of indicated that Viserys was a bad king. He really wasn't a bad yeah. king. Um, other than being a little indecisive <laughs> about which direction to go. Uh, but that, that does... Or being very decisive against the will of yeah, the rest of the that, lords. that does make him a bad king in their opinion. But I think, I think that's going to be part of that dream. I think we're going to see that in a dream sequence. Which is another way to kind of do flashbacks through dream visions. Without necessarily doing a confusing back in time. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I'm having this vision. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's my thought on that one. Sure. Coming in with the hot takes, Constance. I like it. So uh, our last question in the trailer, Allison asked Rhaenyra, where is duty? Where is honor? What do you think she is talking about? And what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Uzma, we'll start with you. I think uh, I have two interpretations of this scene. First, either she is talking about something they talked uh, earlier when they were childhood friends. And uh, maybe Rhaenyra said something about her, uh, how she views duty and honor. So she is maybe asking about that, that where is uh, the duty and honor you talked about? It's either that or she is talking about herself, like uh, how much she has sacrificed uh, for duty, for the name of House Hightower, how much she has sacrificed her honor. So maybe she is saying, uh, like, I have done all this uh, so much for power and uh, for this, uh, and what have you done? So it's either of those for me. I can't decide which one. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think, Constance? <laughs> Oh, I think in this case, Alicent is asking Rihanna about her desire to become queen. Where's duty? Where's honor to the realm? The whole conversation that we're getting out of this trailer is that women can't be the rulers, that a woman on the Iron Throne will cause havoc. And so I think that's what Alicent is asking her is where's your duty to the realm? Where's your honor to the realm? Do the right thing and give up your, give up your claim. I think that's the angle that she's taking. Uh, but that's me. Uh, Solar, what about you? Quite honestly, what I saw when I when I looked at that conversation was, or that particular where is duty, where is honor, it seemed like a snap back at something. You know, um, that whole where is duty, where is honor. And it seems to me like um, the Hightower was very much snapping back in the same way that um, Uzma was describing. But it seemed like a sense of um, a weaponized quote, if you will. Okay. <laughs> you know, that whole, oh, you're talking to me about duty and honor? Well, where is the duty and honor to this? Where is duty and honor when it comes to this particular situation, whatever that situation is? So I'm very much seeing that. Um, now, what... What I think they're talking about, I can't really answer that question because there are so many places <laughs> in these stories where that conversation is applicable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so many different places. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of see it as like possibly two different ways. Like, um, I kind of see it as almost maybe like a teaching moment, kind of like a like in a Sansa kind of fashion, but like the. The conversation itself is like when Amon talked to John about how like 
you know, what is duty when you have like a child in your arms or like, you know, what is honor when you have a family and stuff like that? I can't remember the exact conversation. So like, I, I think it could go something like that or kind of like you were saying solar in like a kind of like, um, like a snapback of like, you know, sometimes I feel like we've seen people talk about like someone mentions honor and they're like, honor, like, what does honor do? Like, who cares about honor? So like, I feel like that could definitely be something like almost like a brawn moment. Like you don't fight with honor. And it's like, yeah, well he did. He's dead or whatever. So I could definitely be, see a situation like that, like for sure. But yeah, that is our uh, Fire and Blood segment. And now our final segment, we have Fans of the Dragon, where Uzma and Constance will give us trivia, polls about the world of Ice and Fire, and questions and comments from you, the listeners. All you, Uzma and Constance. Okay, first we'll uh, do the trivia. Constance? Sure. Okay. Okay, so for this week's trivia question, this is a multiple choice answer. Actually, you have multiple choices to choose from. What does Solar call Christian Cole during Details mm-hmm. with the Dragon? You have plenty <laughs> of choices, so just pick one and give that to us on our social contacts, which Pat uh, with uh, Sam will fill you in on at the end of the broadcast. That might be the hardest trivia question we have. There's so many There's nicknames. so many <laughs> nicknames, yeah. <laughs> Bonus points if you could name all of them, including the ones that Sam threw out. So this is a difficult question. <laughs> So let's let's see, Uzma. Do you have a trailer? Do you have a, a, a yeah. poll for us this week? The poll for this week was, which dragon do you think we see at the end of the trailer? And seventy eight percent people voted for Cyrax. Uh, I'm still not sure about it. Uh, this, it because the dragon looked a little bit different uh, to me. Uh, like uh, we have seen Cyrax in the posters, and I think uh, he looks a little bit uh, different from Cyrax. Maybe it's Vega or something. And can I say he looks so scary? Just one look and look at him oh, and yeah. want, I wanted to run away. What do you guys think? Who do you think this <laughs> dragon is? I think it's Vega. Uh, he's not flying at night and we see a paw, uh, like, paw, <laughs> claws in the sand uh, at night. Uh, so... We know which might be for Vegar, so it could be Vegar, maybe. <laughs> what do you think, Constance and Sam? Well, uh, Cyrax was our Dragimon of the week last week, <laughs> uh, and she was described as being yellow gold with brightly burning scales. And I think that's a good kind of. It's kind of gold, kind of white, right? I mean, we really there's the highlighting on her kind of gives us a yellowish color. So I'm gonna go with the fans and say that that's Cyrax. Sam? Uh, I know I'm wrong, but I'm just going to say it's cannibal because I want to see do. that little bastard so bad. <laughs> I mean, you, I just want to see uh, you. I, I just want to see a really pissed off dragon. And I feel like cannibal. I, like, I feel like that face just says cannibal, even though I know it's not. So I'm just going to say cannibal for the hell of it. Okay. Speaking of dragons, right? And now it's time for... Who's, Who's that, that dragon? Dragon. <laughs> that was better this time. All right. This time, uh, no dragon encompasses the Targaryen motto of fire and blood more than the bloodworm himself. While not the largest or the fastest of dragons, he is nonetheless fierce and formidable. He was named and claimed in 72 AC by his first rider, the doomed prince of Dragonstone, Aemon Targaryen, who was killed by a sniper crossbow bolt to the throat while the dragon feasted on goats nearby. 
He was later claimed by Daemon Targaryen, who employed him against enemies both in Westeros and abroad. Few could approach him, fewer still could stand against him. We shall see his fate in the series ahead. But our dragon this week is the beautiful, the majestic, the red and black, Caraxes, the blood worm. And that's that Dragimon for this week's session. And I think that's all we've got for you today, right, Sam? Yep, that is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook at AWPOIAF and Twitter at Ice and Fire Party and email us at watchpartyoficeandfire at gmail.com. If you're watching YouTube, feel free to comment below. A massive thank you to our producer, Jordan Reynolds, for editing and putting the episode together. This has been a production of the Watch Party Network. Be sure to check out our friends at Watch Party Lord of the Rings and Watch Party Wheel of Time, releasing episodes every Tuesday. Thank you so, so much for listening. We are uh, we are your hosts, Solar, Constance, Growing Strong, Uzma, Morgan, and myself, Sam. Have a good night.